Do you not wonder how many people have actually called that number? Yep. Uh, maybe even, uh, maybe wrote a check, I don't know, and sent it in. Uh, we'll have to find out uh, in the later weeks. But I do want to say that I'm so glad all of you are here, especially if you're a guest of ours. And I just want to stop for a minute and say, hey, welcome you all that are out there uh, online. Those of you are in Williamsburg, Somerset, Middlesbrough, you guys are our family. We love you all, and we're so glad you're here with us today. Uh, and I love this series. I think this series is fun. It's exciting. I bet you're wondering what's coming next. And I'm just going to go ahead and say before I even get started today, you don't want to miss next week. Pastor Trevor's going to be back, and the song is going to move the room. The message is going to be great, so you don't want to miss that. But when it comes to the greatest hits, it's usually those songs that we hear on the radio or we've got in our car and we just kind of hit the repeat button because we want to listen to it over and over and over and over again. And two weeks ago, Pastor Trevor kicked us off uh, with one of my favorite artists, Tom Petty. I loved to listen to Tom Petty when I was growing up. Still like to listen to uh, Tom Petty today. And uh, then uh, he talked about not backing down. And then last week, Pastor Austin was here and uh, he absolutely killed it as he used uh, Michael Jackson and to talk about the man in the mirror. But this week, I just want to say that some of us, some of, of us still haven't found what we're looking for. We're still looking for something else. So what I want to talk about today is something that is so terrible and so embarrassing that not one of us would want to admit we've done it. Not one of us would want to admit that we actually struggle with it or we are struggling with it. But there are uh, no position. No position to deny the issue today and that it is an issue because Jesus said that we were born with it in our hearts. And the thing that I want to talk about today is envy. Look at what this says here. Envy is the bad we feel over other people's good and the good we feel over other people's bad. And I dare say that everybody in this room, everybody watching at home right now, we've all been here at one time or another. Envy is that thing that causes us to look behind us and beside of us and out in front of us in order to see how good or bad others are doing so we can attempt to determine how good or bad we are doing. And when we do that, it causes us not to like certain people. There's certain people that we find that get on our nerves and people that we uh, don't really want to be around. And we start coming up with reasons of why not to like them so we feel better about ourselves. Because let's be honest, it's easier to come up with five different reasons of why we don't like them than it is to admit the fact that I'm discontent with who I am myself. So the moral of the story is this. There's always somebody with more er. You get that? There's always somebody with more er. There's always someone who is richer. There's always someone who is skinnier. There's always someone who is smarter or hipper or more talented er, or their girlfriend's prettier or their boyfriend is cuter or their job is better. Are you getting the picture of what I'm trying to say? So let's admit it. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, everything that you want to do, there is always someone with more er around you. So what I've found myself doing, and maybe I'm by myself today, maybe you've never done this because you're holy and perfect and you've got everything figured out in life. I get it. But, but I've found myself from time to time looking around for people with less er. Because when I'm with people that have less er than my er, I feel superior. Does that make sense? And you're laughing because it's true. 
And we all do it from time to time because we want to feel like we've got, we've got it going on and we want to feel like we've got life all together. And this is something that I don't believe ever goes away. I don't believe it ever goes away. We've dealt with it in childhood. We deal with it in adulthood. And there, but listen, there's still some of us who don't even want to be an er. You'd rather be an est. There's some est. You might be sitting beside an est, somebody that wants to be the richest. They want to be the smartest. They want to be the healthiest. They want to be the cutest, the skinniest, the prettiest, the most retweetedest. Is, is that a word, right? Huh? So the moral of the story is there is no win in comparison. As a matter of fact, comparison puts the dis in discontentment. I promise you, there's no win in comparison. As a matter of fact, discontentment fueled by comparison is absolutely dangerous. And when we allow ourselves to get into that mode and start doing that, it's dangerous. And I'm going to say this to those of you that are in the room here at London, those of you in Somerset, Williamsburg, Middlesbrough, maybe you're just watching online. Some of you are working yourself to death. You're studying yourself to death. And what's driving you is yourself telling yourself that you're trying to maximize your potential. But in all reality, what's going on is we're trying to maximize someone else's potential who doesn't even know we're competing with them to begin with. Therefore, we're killing ourselves. We're killing ourselves financially. We're buying things that we do not need, that we cannot afford to try to keep up with somebody else. We're killing ourselves relationally, trying to hang out with certain people who are not even our real friends, and we're leaving our family out. We're killing ourselves emotionally because we're trying to do all this, and we can never get to the point to where we, re we really feel satisfied. And it goes on and on and on and on again. And it's tiring. And that happens because we know that we live in a world where we know what everybody has. We know what kind of house they live in. We know what kind of car they drive. We know what kind of jacked up, souped up, four-wheel drive vehicle he drives. We know what kind of bass boat he's pulling. See, I'm getting in myself right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. You can add your own to it. And that comparison trap begins to wrap itself around our world, and it begins to snuff out our very life. This whole comparison thing will put you at odds with other people. You know that you will never be like so we shrink back and we come up with reasons of why those people are not okay. But the problem is, is they are okay. The truth is, is it's us that's not okay when that happens. So you find yourself not getting along with certain people who remind you of who you will never be. Certain people who remind you of who you will never look like or who you will never marry. And they've got your job. And they're living your dream. And you're miserable because of it. And sadly, that's the world we live in. And the point of the message today is not to tell you that culture's bad. That's not it at all. And we should abandon society and we all live in a bubble and hold hands and sway side to side and sing kumbaya. That'd be weird anyway, right? That doesn't sound like utopia to me at all. The holding hands part especially. But I don't believe this is a problem that we're going to solve. I don't believe it's a problem we're going to solve now or it might ever be solved. And then there's this. It's a whisper. It's a whisper that you hear and it's a whisper that I hear that says, you need what they have to be respectable, acceptable, and lovable. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that, but I've heard that in my life. Now, let me tell you something about the they right here. I want to tell you about they, whoever they are for you, whether it's people you're watching on TV, people that you're watching on TikTok or Instagram or whatever it is, people that you know, people that you don't know, they actually, think about this, it doesn't matter who they are or what they have, they actually have this same voice in their head, whispering the same thing that you hear all the time. It doesn't matter what you have, it doesn't matter what you've accomplished, there's no comparison, no win in comparison. In fact, the wisest man who ever lived, his name was Solomon. Almost everybody in here probably knows who Solomon is. And if you don't, go back and read about him. He's a real interesting guy. But he had it all, and he had done it all. He had been there, and he'd done that, and he said this. He said, envy rots the bones. That's a nasty picture. He said, when you get that inside of you and you start envying and get being discontent because of what somebody else has or what they're doing, he said, it's going to rot your bones. So here's the bottom line for us today. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to give it to you. It's so simple. You ready? So knock it off, knock it off. And I wish it was that easy. I wish it was so easy where I could just say, stop doing that. I wish I could tell you a way to make this go away where we didn't have to deal with it, but I do want to tell you how to manage the tension so you don't allow it to control you and who you are. Because if I'm spending time, think about this, if I'm spending time trying to keep up with people, I don't have any margin to give to other people because I'm trying to keep up with people that doesn't even realize that I'm trying to keep up with them to begin with. Does that sound familiar? At least in my life from time to time. So this isn't a problem that we're gonna to solve today, but it is a tension that we've got to manage, especially if you're a Christian, because it impacts your relationship with God. Now, this is so good, I want you to get this. It impacts your relationship with God who has called you according to his purpose. You, you've got a purpose. You've been created on purpose for a purpose. So let me ask you this, what if you missed God's purpose for your life because you are trying to keep up with a culture that's not even a thing. It's a myth. And Solomon gives us a word that helps put this ghost, if you would, this vapor, this illusion that we all chase. I chase it, you chase it. This thing that has the potential to steal the joy of life that we have. So what I want to do with the next couple of moments that we've got together is I want to give you a mental line of defense a place that you can go mentally when you start drifting towards envy and discontentment emotionally because it happens to all of us from time to time. And for most of us, for most all of us, it starts with our eyes, with the things that we see because we see something that emotionally charges us and it causes us to feel like we're behind and we feel like we're unloved all of a sudden. And we feel like we're ugly and we're not where we should be in life and we just can't keep up and we just can't get there. And it just starts weighing on top of us. So I want to give you a couple of phrases this morning that you can drive today deep down into your soul. That when you hear the whisper come back to tell you that you're not good enough or you don't have enough or you don't fit in here, that you'll have a place to go mentally to tell ourselves something that is so true and so inspirational that it will keep you between the guardrails of life. And if you're a Christian, it may help, help direct you toward God's purpose in your life. So back to the wisest man that ever lived. Solomon was an old man when he wrote this. 
He is so wealthy. He's accomplished so much in life. He has all this life experience, and he's kind of downloaded it for you and for me so we could gain wisdom from it. And here's what he says. He says, I saw that all toil and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. He said, listen, I've been around long enough. I've seen it all. I know what's going on out there. This is not a new thing. He said, everybody is competing and they are determining where they are based on where everybody else is. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, this too is meaningless. It's meaningless. And then he gives us our phrase. And I want you to memorize this today and I want it to become a part of your mental language, if you would. You know, you do know what a mental language is, right? It's things that uh, you don't say out loud, you just, you just think them. And by the way, there are things for some of you that you should not say out loud, all right? This is what he says. He says, it's a chasing after the wind. It's a chasing after the wind. He said, Solomon says, let me tell you about this. It's an endless pursuit. It's a pointless pursuit. There, there is no finish line. There is no trophy because there is no winner. There's no peace. There's just, do you know what you get? Dissatisfaction, guaranteed. Dissatisfaction, guaranteed. Comparison is what puts the dis in discontentment. Dissatisfaction, guaranteed. Because it steals the joy from our accomplishments because someone has always accomplished more than we have. There's always somebody that's further along. So when you catch yourself saying, you know what? I wish I had hair like that. I wish, I wish last week I was up here, I was sitting out there where you are and I was watching Pastor Austin and I thought to myself for a minute, I thought, man, I wish I had a beard like that. We're always, we're always comparing. I wish I had a car like that. I wish I had a truck like that. I wish I had a house like that. I wish I could marry somebody like that. And when you catch yourself looking into someone else's direction, that's when I want you to say this. That's chasing the wind. That's chasing the wind. And I, I don't chase the wind. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to spend the rest of your life chasing the wind? Chasing the wind, chasing something that you may never grasp a hold of, something you're never going to grab a hold of. No, why? Because there's no win in chasing the wind. There's no trophy. There's no satisfaction of crossing the finish line and finally being able to look up and go, I did it. I finally did it. I got what I was looking for. It's not going to happen. Do you know why? Because there's always faster and there's always cuter and there's always smarter and there's always younger and hipper. It is chasing the wind. Come on, think about this. And I don't know all of you all personally, especially if you're at another campus right now, I don't know you personally, but I do know this. Your life, the life you're living, the person sitting in your britches right now, the life you're living is too valuable and too short and time is too precious to waste any time chasing the wind. So the moment you start feeling like you're not good enough, 
Or the moment you start feeling like you're not rich enough or you don't have what it takes or you don't measure up to what your parents thought you should be, this is what you should do. You should slow down and say, whoa, 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 wait just a second. That is chasing the wind. And I don't chase the wind. Now Solomon, he's not through because this whole idea of chasing the wind is not an invitation to be passive. He was accomplished. I mean, Solomon was a guy that had it going on for real. He knew what he was talking about. So this is what he says. Listen to this. He said, fools, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Fools say, you know what? I've been thinking about it. I'm looking around. I see what everybody else is doing. And since I can't keep up, since everybody seems to be better than me, since everybody seems to have more talent than me, since everybody has a better family than me, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to do anything. I'm not even going to try. But Solomon says only a fool does that. Only a fool acts like that. Being unproductive is not the answer. Being unproductive is never the answer. And the next verse is so powerful because he brings the two of them together by saying this. He says, don't spend your life chasing the wind. And don't fold your hands up and say, oh, well, I tried. I tried. I did all I could do, I guess. Solomon says this. I love this. I love this right here. Better one handful. Right here, this is what we all got. Better than one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I love that verse, don't you? That's an exciting verse. Some of you are looking at me right now and saying, I have no clue what that verse means. Well, guess what? I didn't either until I studied it this week, but it's good. He said, better to have one handful with tranquility, and which, listen, which rubs our culture the wrong way because our culture is all about more, 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 more. Our culture wants more. Think about it. Our culture says, if I had four hands, I'd have four handfuls, Right? It's about more. I want more of this and more of that. And Solomon says, listen, I've got more than all of you, so shut up for a minute. I've got something to tell you. He said, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Tranquility means satisfaction. I don't know about you, but I like satisfaction. Tranquility's, think about it like this. Tranquility's when you go and you visit one of your friends and your friend uh, has accomplished, been very accomplished. They've got a really nice house, a lot of nice things. And when you drive up to their house, you pull up and they've got a gate. And so you have to roll your window down and you have to push the little button and you have to say, hey, could you buzz me in? It's Sean. I'd like to come in and see you. And they're like, sure. And so all of a sudden you hear the noise and you hear the gate, you know, and it starts opening up and you're sitting there thinking, wow, that's really cool. And so you drive in and you sit and you hang out with your friend for a while and you finish up and you go back and get in your car and you head back to your house. And you know what tranquility says? Tranquility says you're happy for your friend. You're happy for them because you're satisfied with your own life and you're satisfied with what you've got. Or maybe it's like this. You got into the school that I wanted to go to and there was a point in time that that might have bothered me, but I've learned today that one handful of tranquility, one handful of satisfaction is better than two handfuls of striving and chasing after the wind. So here's the thing. We always assume that more is better. 
And we assume that because we've been taught that our whole lives. As little children, we always have, or are taught whoever's got the most toys, whoever's got the most food, who's more is better. But that is chasing the wind. Chasing more always leaves us wanting more. So here's his point, and this is so powerful. Less is more when the less you hold is what you were created for. Now think about that. Less is more when the less you hold is what you were actually created for. Better one handful with tranquility, one handful of satisfaction, than two handfuls grasping and striving and pretending and competing. And then he goes on and he says this. He says again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. And then he's going to tell us a story about a man. He said there was a man all alone. And he had neither son nor brother. Now, me and you, we read that from time to time and we're thinking, well, so what? What does that matter? But in this culture, in this day and time, if you did not have a son or a brother, you would not have anyone to leave your health and your possessions to. Because in ancient times, women could not inherit anything. Hey, thank God we've, we've come a long way, right? So he, here's a guy and he's been working hard and he has something to show for it but he doesn't have anyone to leave it to. And then Solomon goes on and he says this. He said, there was no end to his toil. How many of y'all feel like that? There's no end to it. I get up the same way every morning. I go bed to the, the bed the same way every night, every night, and I do the same thing in between. I work and I toil. I work and I toil. He said, there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes, oh, this is good. He said, his eyes were not content with his wealth which tells us money isn't everything. So he's working hard. He's acquiring more. He's acquiring bigger. He's acquiring better. And then he stops and he asks himself a question that some of you, maybe some of you have never asked in your entire life. He asks this question. And I think if you ask this question to yourself, you'll learn to be content with one handful and you will accomplish everything that God has for you with peace and tranquility, with peace and satisfaction. So here's the question. For whom am I toiling? He said, who am I doing this for? And I want to just pause here and say this. You might be sitting there and saying, well, listen, I know who I'm doing it for. I've got kids, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm doing it for them. And, and I'm trying, but listen, if all you're trying to do is to work to give them things, are you leaving them what they really need? Are you leaving them a legacy? Are you leaving them with tranquility? Or is it just possessions? But this guy, he stopped and he said, I don't have a brother. I don't have a son. Who? Am I doing this for? This guy's been working year after year after year and he's been killing himself and it's like all of a sudden he's out there working and he just stops and he says, wait just a minute. Who am I doing this for? What am I trying to prove it better yet? Who am I trying to prove it to? What am I doing? Now this is a hard question and it's a question that I've had to wrestle to the ground myself and the younger you are, the easier it's going to be for you to live this out because there's an answer to this question. Why are you doing this? Why are you striving today? Why are you toiling? Why are you pushing so hard? Why, why are you gritting your teeth? Who are you doing this for? 
The reason some of you are doing it is because you are competing with a brother. Your brother did something in life, something's going on, he achieved some things, and you want to try to compete with him and do better. Some of you are competing with a sister. They don't know why, maybe she married up, and now you're trying to chase all the wrong people because you feel like you've got to marry a certain way. Some of you are trying to live up to your mother's expectations. Some of you are still trying to, to please your father to get the pat on the back and the attaboy. And you know what's going on? You're tired and you're worn out and you are completely miserable. You need to ask yourself this question. Who am I doing this for? Whose approval am I competing for? And do they even know? Do, do they even care? And even if they did, would it matter? So I want you to think about this. Think about this. For whom are you toiling? Now, if you say, I'm doing it for me, I'm doing it for me, I'd say, well, yeah, probably not, maybe, but probably not. For who are you toiling? And for some of you, when you're able to answer that question, it will, it will free you to be content with one handful of tranquility instead of two handfuls of saying, if only. If only I could get that job. If only I could be with that person. If only I could drive that vehicle. If only I could live in that neighborhood. If only I had that house. He goes on and he says, and why? Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Solomon said, the thing about this guy, he had accomplished so much in life. He had acquired so much and he still doesn't even have anyone to leave his stuff to. He has no one to enjoy his stuff with him. Think about this. He's not even enjoying his own stuff because he never stopped to ask himself this question, why? am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? Maybe, just maybe, you're not enjoying your life either. Let me tell you something. If you're not enjoying your life, no one else will either. And the reason some of you have relationships that go over and over and they end the same way over and over again, if you're not enjoying your life, the people you date, they won't enjoy you either. If you're not enjoying your life, the people that are the closest to you, the people that love you the most, they won't enjoy you either. They may even sense something's wrong with you. They may, may have even came to you and said, hey, listen, something's wrong, something's not right. And you got mad and you blew up and you grit your teeth and you said, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just a goal setter. <laughs> well, no, I'd say you're something else. But I can't say that in here because you shouldn't say everything you think. We've already talked about that. But let me say this. And I want you to think about this right where you're at. Think about this in Somerset, in Williamsburg, in Middlesbrough. Somewhere in the world, somewhere in the world are a half a billion people 
that would stop and look at your life. They'd stop and they'd look at your circumstances and your body and what you drive and where you live and how you live. And they would consider you one of the luckiest people on earth. They would see the people that you have around you, the people that love you. And they'd say, wow, that's one of the luckiest people on earth. But you don't. And do you know why you don't? You don't because you don't know why you're toiling and you don't know why you're striving today. You don't know who you're doing it for. And even if you're sitting there and say, well, I know who I'm, I'm doing it for my kids, but ask yourself if that's why you say you're doing it, are you leaving them the right thing? The thing that matters the most, are you leaving them a, a life that's full of faith and love and hope? Or are you just giving them possessions? Why are you doing it? Because one handful with peace and tranquility, with peace and satisfaction, is so much better than two handfuls of grit and tension and a lack of peace. And he goes on. He said, this too is meaningless. Listen to how he said, he said, it's a miserable business. You will never be who you were born to be. You will never be who you were created to be as long as you are looking over your shoulder at somebody else. You will never learn to run your race and quit chasing the wind when you're looking over your shoulder. You've got to stop chasing the wind. Back to Solomon. He says, a heart at peace. A heart with satisfaction, with tranquility. A heart at peace gives life to the body. But envy rots the bones. I don't care how rich you are today. It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter how good looking you are. It doesn't matter what you drive or where you live. It doesn't matter who your friends are or what kind of vacations you take. Listen to me. You cannot compare your way to peace. You can't win chasing the wind. You can look to others for inspiration. You can look to others to make them want, to make you better or to want to be better or want to go farther, but not for imitation. Be you. Be who God created you to be. When you see somebody knocking it out of the park, whether it's a co a coworker or a friend or a family member or maybe a complete stranger, maybe they're living your dream, maybe they're driving your car or going to your school. Maybe they're living in the house you want to. But celebrate them. Celebrate them. Stay in your lane. Run your race. And please listen, listen to me. Don't waste an ounce of your energy being jealous. Don't do it. It's chasing the wind. Jordan Peterson wrote in 12 Rules for Life, and I love this. He said, compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Not who someone else is today. And I'm going to read that again because that's good. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday and not who someone else is today. Listen to me. You only get one shot at life. One. 
So don't miss the life that God has for you. Don't miss what life has for you. You will never experience your life fully until you embrace what's right in front of you. So when your emotions start drifting and your emotions start going all over the place, this is what I want to ask you to do. I want you to stop and declare this. I will not chase the wind. I will run my race in my lane. And if you do that, you will become the person God created you to be. And if you won't take my advice, and if you won't take Solomon's advice, you may end up like Bono singing this, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. This is your life. It's your choice. God created you to be who you are in your lane to achieve great things for the world. You're unlike anybody else. Your fingerprints are unlike anybody else's fingerprints. And when you go out into the world and you use the gifts and the talents that God gave you, you're going to change the world. Stop chasing the wind and run life in your own lane. Let me pray for you. Father, I love you. And I love these people and I love this church. And Lord, I just ask right now, Lord, uh, for myself even, when times come, when the whisper comes and I start hearing it or we start hearing uh, the whisper to tell us we're not good enough or we don't measure up or this isn't right or that's not right and those emotions start turning. Help us to remember what Solomon said, to stop chasing the wind and to run life in my own race with tranquility, with satisfaction, mostly because you set me on my course. And so, Father, I ask today for each person sitting in here, Lord, I pray that they would have that tranquility and that peace. I pray that they'd see where they're they're allowing their emotions to get them off kilter. And, Lord, that you'd set their feet on a solid rock. And, Lord, by the time they realize it, that they realize that you are their their head, that that you're leading them, that they would be able to lift their head high and be satisfied with where they're going and who they're doing life with. So, Lord, you go before us. You keep us. You be glorified through us. And I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. And amen.